welcome back to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. And on this show, we're discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series, chapter by chapter. This episode, we're returning to our book discussion with chapter three, and we're excited to have with us a very special guest. She is the co-host of Excessively Diverted Modern Classics on Screen and the creative nine behind HighlyIllogical.net. It's our friend, Sammy C. Hello. Hi, Sammy. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. I'm excited. Uh, we're thrilled to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, uh, Sammy, you and I host a show together. So yep. we have been podcasting for a long time, but this is the first time that you and I and Megan have done anything together. So I'm pretty excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've hosted I've hosted Megan on past podcast uh, projects before, and so this is this is interesting to be the guest of my typical co-host and a former guest of mine. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> what a tangled web we weave. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like our little group of people, acquaintances, we've all been on each other's podcasts here and there. (laughs) Yep. That's not going to change anytime soon. No. No. (laughs) Mm -mm. So, Sammy, we like to ask our guests, of which you are the second, uh, Mm -hmm. we like to ask our guests, like, what their exposure to Dune has been in the past. Like, is this, I believe this was your first time uh, cracking open the book. Am I correct? Yes, yes. Uh, so I, I, I hate to disappoint any any rabid Dune fans out there who just love Chapter 3. I don't know anything about Dune at all. Um, <laughs> I, uh, all I know is that it's something that my dad really likes. Um, Was he very excited that you were reading for this? <laughs> I actually haven't told him yet, so <laughs> I will report back. But um, I'm sure he would be very excited because he's always been kind of like, Hey, Sammy, you know, there's this thing called Dune and I'm already like, Dad, I read the entire Xanth series for you. Okay. Um, So, um, yeah, I, I kind of saw it and, and don't take this the wrong way, but I kind of was like, okay, that kind of seems like Star Wars for nerds. Like, um, (laughs) and all I know is that, um, like Kyle MacLachlan is in the movie and I love Kyle MacLachlan uh he's wonderful um but that's literally those are the only things i know about it at Mm. all (laughs) and spice right must flow yeah right Mm -hmm. yeah everyone everyone kind of knows that it's sunk into the collective like pop culture zeitgeist at this point like everybody has had some exposure to that and yeah, before all of the boys on the internet tweeted us, like, we know that Star Wars was inspired by Dune. Please do not contact us to correct yeah, don't, that don't one tell us. thing. Okay, we know. Yeah. <laughs> so we could just skip all of that. Well, yeah. okay, so this was your first exposure to Dune at all. Yes. Uh, yes. What did you think, like, going in? You read up through chapter three so I mean this was like you're kind of dipping your toe in yeah yeah um I was really pleasantly surprised by the prose um I think that uh sometimes when you are given kind of like a fantasy tome like this or you know sci-fi or whatever the case may be Mm -hmm. um you you kind of with genre fiction especially in fantasy it, it can be really dry um, but I didn't find that at all. And I, I, I really, uh, very easily connected to the characters, um, especially in the first chapter, the second chapter kind of, uh, when it was getting into like politics and stuff, I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. We get it. <laughs> um, this guy is bad and he's very fat and that's very bad, bad fat man, you know? Um, and, uh, and and but yeah i'm i'm really fascinated by kind of the the witchcraft and the magic and um and all of the complex um you know kind of almost um prime directive stuff going on with mm-hmm. um with some of the and i can't pronounce any 
single thing. I'm guessing this. you you're trying to say Benny Gesserit. Yes, yeah. yes, that. Um, so so it comes kind of the Prime Directive, uh, Star Trekky type stuff going on with them, <laughs> um, but they're all ladies and they're all witches and and. <laughs> I would that, say they're that's exciting. <laughs> not quite as uh, altruistic as the sure. Federation. Sure, <laughs> I'm sure much not. more self-serving. No, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm sure not. Mm-hmm. But but I did like the kind of like you know sowing seeds of superstition type of deal that I saw going on. So that's exciting. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so exciting. I was like I was like oh this is kind of fun. I I actually knew that you would you would kind of uh, latch on to these early chapters because of all the Bene Gesserit stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. this will be Sammy's cup of tea for sure. Because yeah. I, I know your fondness for witchy things. So I do love witchery. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you may have noticed each chapter is separated by a excerpt from a character we have yet to meet, Princess Irulan, who mm-hmm. uh, has a lot to say. A lot to say, yeah. uh, as you'll see, you know, if you continue reading, you'll discover. And yeah. there is a good reason why. So, Megan, do you want to take this one and, and read our excerpt this week? Sure. Thus spoke St. Alia of the Knife. The Reverend Mother must combine the seductive wiles of a courtesan with the untouchable majesty of a virgin goddess, holding these attributes in tension so long as the powers of her youth endure. For when youth and beauty have gone, she will find that the place between, once occupied by tension, has become a wellspring of cunning and resourcefulness. From Maudib Family Commentaries by the Princess of Rulin. So, no pressure there. We just have to be virgin (laughs) goddesses. Yes. All the time. All things. To all people. Yes. Um, And, you know, we have to continue. And that kind of brings in two characters that we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, it does. We get our first mention of Alia, who we'll meet later, much later in the book. Much much later. Yeah. So a lot to kind of start with. And, you know, we're going back to where we left off in Chapter 1. Chapter 2 was kind of a, you know, we, we got out of Caladan and the Atreides and all of that. And we're hanging out with the Harkonnens for a chapter. And now we're back. Immediately after the events of Chapter 1, we're picking up right after Chapter 1 with Paul and his Gamjabar. We have our Reverend Mother revealing that Jessica has actually, uh, how Jessica defied their orders, which she did for love. She did this because she wanted to give the Duke a son, but she also believed that she could produce this, the Quitsatz Haderach, and, you know, be like the mother of this male Bene Gesserit that they've been waiting for all of this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's basically told mm-hmm. that they will have to, she and Paul are going to have to pay a price for her defiance, basically, that, you know, Leto can't be saved. And um, this is where we get the first mention of the Missionara Protectiva, which is their sort of like, I think of it as like their propaganda arm of the Bene Gesserit, which goes mm-hmm. in and sort of like sows these like, I, I don't know if they can really be called false prophecies because they've said like, you know, we plant the seeds of them and if they come true, they come true. Right. And did they come true because they were always going to come true or did they come true because we said they would? Or, we, you know, because we foresaw this or whatever yeah exactly Hmm. yeah which is a fascinating like thing that's one thing that i like about the later books is that it kind of gets more into the like structure the organization of the bene Gesserit order and we see like all their different not all of them but we kind of see like the different arms of the uh, of the order Mm -hmm. and what they do and and it's it's fascinating, but it's uh, interesting to see this so early in. And they've had a Reverend Mother, you know, Reverend Mother's going there and spreading seeds of like, oh, there's there will be a witch and she'll have a child and it'll be your Messiah. This is... <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> no, what could go wrong? <laughs> oh, chill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So after this sort of like a bomb she's dropping that uh, they bring Paul into the conversation. He tells the Reverend Mother about his dreams, uh, particularly the dream he had had the night before, standing in a cavern where there was water and a girl, and he tells her some poetry, (laughs) um, which is always hot, I guess. Um, (laughs) But he has to explain words to her. Right. Like what, what shore and and ocean and things like that mean or tide and things mm-hmm. um he notices that in the dream that her eyes are very blue and uh he tells the reverend mother that he doesn't know her yet but that he knows he will know her and uh it is also the first mention of usul a name we will be more familiar with later mm-hmm I feel like that's another line for some reason that people know from the movie is that the waters of your home. Yeah. Tell me about the waters of your home world. Like, I don't know why people like remember that so much. I'm onto that line. It's just so romantic. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it was just Sean Young's delivery. (laughs) Just everyone wants to chat up Kyle McLaughlin. (laughs) Well, I mean, can you blame them? Yeah. Now he'll never be on our podcast. <laughs> Kyle, tell me about the the waters of your home world, just please. He's just tell very, me about anything. He's very interactive with fans, and especially yeah. with Dune fans. So, and I he like, lives yeah. in the Pacific Northwest or hangs out up here a lot. Yeah, uh, I mean, because he's got his vineyard and stuff. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that like, if we campaigned, if we got like our like hashtag, let's get let's book Kyle or whatever. <laughs> Like, maybe we could get him. Like, he's not... very polite about turning us down. Right. He'd yeah. be really nice about it. Yeah. He'd be, he would be super nice about it. <laughs> if I run into him around he- town when he's filming Portlandia, I'll be sure to ask yeah. him. <laughs> yep. I have actually only Sounds ever good. seen it being filmed from a distance, so. I'm not yeah. gonna hold out hope. <laughs> I haven't seen it being filmed since they're releasing the last season. I've I've lost hope of seeing it, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so back to where it was. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> back to all of this doom and gloom. Uh, basically, the Reverend Mother gives Paul like some hints. She calls them mm-hmm. as to why the previous like candidates for the Quitsats Haderach have failed um she says that that which submits rules and gives a nice metaphor about willow trees bending with the wind until there's enough to form a wall to block Mm -hmm. it which Mm -hmm. is kind of uh portentous paul wants the order to do whatever they can to protect his father but the reverend mother tells jessica that she can't do anything for him she says she can save Paul and Jessica, maybe, but for the father, nothing, which is some pretty cold shit to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the River Mother instructs Jessica to start training Paul in use of the voice. And she, I find it interesting that she says, and devil take the rules, because she is, and I guess like rules are very flexible within the <laughs> order as it is, because it seems like they're always sort of going off book. Yeah. It really does. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there about, like, uh, their breeding program and, and maintaining the bloodlines and, like, how you don't want to get wild blood in, introduced into these bloodlines, which we'll get <laughs> more on that in the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, the Reverend Mother leaves and Paul notices that she is crying and finds her tears more disturbing than anything. Hmm. So that was the... Chapter three. Yes. Am I missing anything? No, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's really it. We get a lot of Paul not being super impressed by the Reverend Mother. Yeah. No, he's, um, he's really like caught an attitude now that oh he's passed God. the Gamba, the Jabbar. Yeah. I mean, I try to remember he's 15, but yeah. come on, Paul. <laughs> Pull it together. I, I don't know. I kind of I, I kind of liked that about Paul, though, is that if he was just like, okay, here's this lady and she's just like, I'm hot shit. 
And he's like, who are you? I don't know you. Like, You're mean to my mom. You're mean uh, to my mom. You make her cry. And I don't like that. And you put this my hand in this pain box. And I'm just like waiting to be impressed. Uh, and she is bringing stuff up that he already knows. Right. You know, and when she starts like, in about the that which submit rules, he's like, yeah, I know this. Why are you yeah. telling me this? And like every time, you know, he kind of... He seems like somebody who, uh, you know, is very naturally perceptive and who knows a lot and and understands a lot more than maybe is told to him or that he's been taught. Um, Mm -hmm. And and she keeps questioning him, you know, it's like, how do you know that? Why do you know that? What? Why do you say that? You know, kind of thing. And he's probably like, just this is how I am. Just let me talk, you know? Um, and I kind of I kind of liked his impetuousness. No, and yeah. I think that it does serve him well uh, yeah. in things coming up. But there are times when his his little sulky thought voiceovers, I get a little like, okay, come on. Yeah, it's like, that's enough. <laughs> Paul, I don't know if he has a middle name. Probably not. Joseph. <laughs> Paul Joseph. John Paul Jones Atreides (laughs) you know your father and I love you he named you John Paul Jones Uh, (laughs) um, I also really think that you know they're they're you know the reverend mother is getting on Jessica about how she was supposed to have a daughter because Mm -hmm. Atreides daughter could have been married to a Harkonnen um but they have no, like, who knows if that would have even happened? Like, they're so upset about that. And I, I get that it's partially think... because then ostensibly that child would have been, mm-hmm. like, a child of that union yeah, would have been have the Kazai Chatterack. Yeah. But I do not see Duke Leto being like, oh, yeah, sure. My daughter to likely fade? No. Well, I mean, I think, too, it's important to remember that a lot of it is so anonymous like they don't mm-hmm. know who they're going to end up, you know, or like Jessica doesn't know her parentage. And I mean, who's to say that like they wouldn't have just taken Alia? Do you think that, I mean, but do you think that the Duke and Jessica would have allowed that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Duke, I mean, Jessica probably would have done her duty, but I don't think that the duke would have been overly into it yeah um, he just seems like you know very like oh this is mine yeah we he's, haven't even he, met him yet but he sort of permeates throughout these early yeah. chapters that i just i don't see i don't see him allowing that kind of political marriage but i also don't see him allowing his daughter to just be sent off to the Benny Gesserit to mm-hmm. raise as they see fit i could see her getting some training like it's implied that you know, most most of the noble women seem to have. Um, but I don't know if he right. would have ever been fully like, oh, yeah, send her off to Wallach, whatever number it is, nine. Yeah. Yeah, there it is, nine. Um, I should probably write that down on my little, my sweet uh, bullet journal Dune <laughs> planet page. <laughs> this is what bullet journaling is about, right? Dune. Yeah, right. Dune. <laughs> Uh, it's certainly what my Twitter feed is about these days. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what has happened to us? You guys following all those sweet Dune meme p- pages, getting some sweet Dune shit posting going? Yeah, I mean we we are we are already pretty much there as it is. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> so yeah, we're looking forward to really like rolling up our sleeves and getting into the shit. <laughs> I mean for. All of the stuff that's sort of like all the info that's just like dumped onto the reader in this chapter. There's not a lot happening. It no. is right. literally three people standing in a room, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and talking, and that's it. So there's not a lot of like action. I'm sorry, Sammy. It wasn't a very exciting chapter. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's kind of that. I mean, like the first three chapters were all kind of that. So I was like, wow, lots of. Yeah. Lots of info for me to have here. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel sort of um, at sea with some of the like world building, some of the more sci-fi elements, like the human computers and 
things like that. No, I mean, I think I I, I got that, and I know we're, I'm here to talk about chapter three, but I feel like chapter mm-hmm. two, I was like a little bit, I was a little bit at sea with mm-hmm. like the houses and like they they kind of talk about all these people as if I already know them, you know, and I don't. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So that that was the only time when I was kind of like starting to to gloss over some stuff because i was like okay i'm sure this will all make sense to me later Mm -hmm. um uh but you know the the human computers i thought were interesting i thought uh like the fact that they don't really seem to to know who's who's human and who's human computer in some cases and then in other cases they know exactly who is i i I don't know i was kind of like wow this is a weird, complicated world, <laughs> um, but I liked it. I thought it was interesting, and and I um, I like the. It, it kind of felt like it's um, a far off future that is kind of a restart of like a primitive um, time, or or you know mm-hmm. like less technologically advanced or less like our own time. And so, mm-hmm. and I kind of like that. I like I like something that's kind of like futuristic and 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 rather than like post-apocalyptic it's just kind of like future time that looks really really different from anything we we have going on right now Mm -hmm. Um, yeah it it definitely feels like an alien world right Mm -hmm. um so there was a lot of stuff about it that that i thought was was cool um I, I think that I think that some of the world building i wish had been done with a little bit less uh, people talking but um <laughs> oh that doesn't really get any better <laughs> yeah yeah it, and it's just you know like i i think this is i mean how old is this book uh it came 1965. out 1963 i thought or uh, you might be right though oh yeah okay so like really the like at the time the only other like the only other thing that's like this ambitious or you know that that is a quite the cultural touchstone as dune is is lord of the rings which is exactly the same way it's like hey we're world building so everybody mm-hmm. stand around and talk about the world and yeah. and the politics for 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. there's a good deal less singing in dune than there is in lord of <laughs> just the poetry oh, just thank do- god <laughs> um but yeah there's a poem but i i think i think you know this is this is an early earlier part piece of the genre um you know we forget how new sci-fi and fantasy really are mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and and so this is i think if if a modern writer were to sit down and write dune now it would have a little bit more deft world building but you know this is still as immersive and what i'm used to reading is as a lifelong fantasy reader so you know what mm-hmm. it, it always reminds me of when I start Dune? And I've read this series a few times now, but opening up those first chapters, reading those first chapters, it feels a lot like the first time I watched Firefly and the very mm-hmm. opening scene, mm-hmm. like it starts in the middle of a battle. Like literally the first scene you see is an explosion. Yeah. And you have no idea like what's happening or why they're there, what's going on. And mm-hmm. I remember like taking the dvd out and like making sure that it was like i wasn't starting in the middle of an episode like i right. remember doing yeah. that, thinking like what is happening right and that's exactly what this is like it just sort of drops you into yeah. the middle of this like mm-hmm. while it's not a firefight yet there is just yeah. a lot of like it's like here's stuff happening and you care dynastic <laughs> like... sort of sort of drama that's happening <laughs> And I, I do feel like as it goes, it allows itself to open up a bit more in that there are definitely parts coming up that are funny. Mm-hmm. You know, people mm-hmm. start having conversations that are actually a little more, you know, friendly or funny or, you know, even just coming up in the next couple of chapters, you know, we get a little bit more of the fact that like personalities. You know, Paul, Paul doesn't have any friends. Right. <laughs> like Paul, Paul just has adult people who have to teach him things. Yeah. Because yeah, it's too dangerous why. for him to have friends. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just little things like that where it's like, oh, this poor kid, you know, has to just <laughs> hang out with, you know, Josh Brolin reading him poetry. Yeah. All the time. 
<laughs> he, he and his mom seem to have like kind of a, a a really affectionate relationship from what I've seen so far. I could be wrong. I mean, <laughs> she, they, they seem to really care about each other. Yeah, I mean, they're super close and they do care a lot about each other. But like, I feel like affection. Hmm, it might be in these early parts, and that yeah. goes away pretty quickly because. Yeah. As yeah. in this chapter, the Reverend Mother says, like, you can't protect him. And right. if you try to shield him, like, he's never going to fulfill any destiny, let alone, like, yeah. you know, a grand one or even a mundane one. Like, he's just going to be a coward. So don't stop, you know, shielding him and protecting him. Right. And she really <clears throat> takes that lesson to heart. Yeah. yeah. And she has, she has a lot going on. She's got a lot of her does. plate. <laughs> she really does. I, I have a so question. Much. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have a question. I think, so I'm assuming based on context clues that like women can kind of choose whether they're going to have like a male or a female baby. Benny Jesuits can. Not okay. just yeah. any woman. They Not have just to any have woman. Training. Okay. Yeah. And then so, um, so if the prophecy is that this like savior of this, you know, almost entirely female order is a male it is it i wonder like is it more common for do do other members of like have have male children with the hope that they're going to have this um this like jesus figure or like is because i would think that it would either be like a race to have the chosen one or it's like this understanding that he's like he's a scary mysterious power and you don't want to touch it i think that with this it's more that jessica thought it could happen because i think she knew okay. about the benny Jesuit plan up until she knew she was supposed to have a girl because the girl would then be married to a harkonnen and then ostensibly their child would be a boy and would be the quizat chatterack and i think Got it. she just sort of thought well if that was going to be my grandchild let me just skip it ahead plus i love mm-hmm. my par- i don't know if he's her partner i don't even know what you'd call him on the other my side duke. of it her duke <laughs> and she loves, uh, her duke. she loves her duke so she gave him a son got mm-hmm. it uh, and, yeah. and i think another like distinction that's important to make is that they don't see him as a messiah they the bene Gesserit don't like okay. others others do they see him as like a tool or a weapon or something that just furthers their their cause and like anything that is important to them is going to be self-serving so it's not like something that they're like oh he's gonna come and like save us all it's more like he's gonna come and we're gonna use him to get more power yeah okay yeah so there's no real prestige in being his mother right and i think that like no, and not not to the Bene Gesserit, I don't think. Okay. Um, and I really think that, like, you know, most most mothers probably wouldn't want that to be their kid. Yeah. But Jessica, I think, is maybe a special case. Yeah. <laughs> she she sure does get a kid lottery. Um. She's, yeah. <laughs> I don't don't want to give too much away for Sammy, but oh boy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I I mean, that's not to say that this figure, you know, this Christ-like figure isn't going to be like like a messiah to others. Right. Because he absolutely is. That's like part of what this whole Missionara Protectiva has been like sowing the seeds for. Sure. All this time. So like he will be something that they can use as like, they're looking at it as like this is a figurehead that we can prop up and you know get an instant army anytime we want it or you know if we need whatever unlimited manpower we have it right yeah yeah i, I think that mostly they're instructed to have uh female children so Got it. so they just kind of do mm-hmm. what they're what they're instructed and then this... most of them yeah okay Okay, so um, so his yeah. mother's really, really done something like to the I, extent I knew, that like, what Jessica did, uh, it's, yeah, they they call it the Jessica crime. Yeah, wow. If you okay. go against what okay. you're supposed so to do, so it's like it's really outside <laughs> of of the norm for for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, she she really like. <laughs> 
She really uh, spat in their face when she did that. Well, go mm-hmm. Jessica. Team yeah, Jessica. I, yeah. I mean, as yeah. fascinating <laughs> as I find the Bene Gesserit, I do love that act of defiance. Yeah. No, it's fucking cool. I mm-hmm. I think that, like, um, you know, I, like... I do love witchy, witchy things, um, but I also, my favorite thing to read about is somebody who's just, like, a rebel or who, like, you know, it sounds to me like not only is it, you know, a thing that she did for love, but it's also a thing that she did kind of because she believed in her own power, and I think that's the coolest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that's a, actually a really good mm-hmm. observation, especially, like, given future events that we're we're absolutely not getting into yeah but yeah jessica does have like i mean i'm not gonna say that she's like the most confident in her abilities but she does have like some she's just one of those like i'm just gonna roll up my sleeves and do this shit yeah yeah characters yeah i I always love those characters yeah same (laughs) one of my favorite scenes which is a little later on where another character this is one of the scenes that i think is funny another character gets shit-faced Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she has to deal with this and eventually she just is kind of like you know what I am not doing this and just kind of like smacks him across the face because <laughs> he's just not listening and he won't drink coffee and she's like I don't have no one has time for this yeah but it's written in like you drunk like drunk dialect <laughs> like you know Looney Tunes cartoons when someone's drunk like, yeah how's everybody doing <laughs> like oh boy <laughs> <laughs> and, like that whole scene is just like like I think that one is really funny just yeah, because it's like unex- out of nowhere there's just like slurring words and yeah you're waiting for him to like comedy. suggest that we all like everyone order a pizza <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome yeah I mean we're, we're inching along here um, and I, I suspect like I know that the chapters will be getting longer Mm-hmm. as we go on so these episodes will probably get somewhat longer um but uh <laughs> what were your impressions overall sammy do you think you'd keep reading yeah i think i'd keep reading i i'm interested to see what uh what is gonna happen to paul because i feel like you know he's being set up for a journey of some kind mm-hmm. um and and i'm interested in the world and um i've enjoyed like like i said i enjoyed the prose so far so yeah nothing no complaints well that's good <laughs> and that's always good that's what we strive for is <laughs> no complaints i'm sure at some point we're gonna have a guest that's just going to be like i can't believe you made me read just this be like i hate dune no but um but yeah no i mean this is this is exciting and and you know I, honestly i've always been like dune is one of those things that i've always been like yeah, I really should read Dune at some point, and I, I've never, <laughs> never no done it. The present. So, uh, exactly. so yeah, so this got me started. So thank you for the gateway drug or spice, yeah. as it were. I don't know. <laughs> um, yes, well, when you can fold time, call us back. <laughs> I will do. Yeah. Um, so, Megan, this is episode three, and no concubine. Still, no mention. No, okay. Yeah, this is yet again. Uh, so Sammy just, so in one of the prequels that mm-hmm. have subsequently been written since Frank Herbert died, there is a whole story about Duke Leto's previous concubine ah. with whom he also had a child, but then they both they both get killed. Okay. And then Jessica comes on the scene. Okay. Uh, and for me, I just think that's an egregious sort of prequel retcon. Mm-hmm. yeah and that's so, pretty crazy and it's my my goal is to see if there's any slightest little snip because you can build a book on a snip i think there's that novel yeah. um ahab ahab's wife where i think mm. it's entirely built around there's one sentence in moby dick that talks about captain ahab's wife and it's a good book yeah. Yeah. but there's no again this week <laughs> kylie a watch mm-hmm. zero yeah okay so we're, we're still not there <laughs> I'll keep and, a weather uh, eye. Yeah. We uh, have not had mm-hmm. any new casting announcements since the last episode. We just recorded a few days ago, though. But yeah, I'm still waiting for something. Yes. Some, we still have some shoes to drop. So we'll see. We still don't have a fade. Um, we have a Peter. 
We, we, we do got have a Peter. a Peter. That's true. Um, and I do not have the IMDb pulled up, so I don't have the actor's name in front of me. It is David. I'm going to totally butcher this, and I apologize, sir. David Dalmachian. Okay. Who is in uh, Blade Runner, uh, the new one. Mm-hmm. And he's in The Dark Knight, which is what I really know him from. I remember him from that and uh, yeah. the Ant-Man movies. He's on yes, uh, Scott's that's right. crew. He's one of the little guys that works for well, he's on. He was on the new the Twin Peaks revival, but I don't remember. I don't remember oh. him. <laughs> so, Sammy, I'm kind of amazed because I know you are the biggest David Lynch fan that yeah. you've never seen yeah. a movie. Yeah, I do love David Lynch. And I think, uh, I don't know, I, I think for for the movie, I, I knew that it was a David Lynch movie. And, I, and my dad was like, Dune is great. You know, David Lynch directed it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I always, with stuff like this, I really like to read the book first. I think um, that's wise in this case. You yeah. know, because, like, I know from experience, you know, with, like, like any, any series that I've read and that I've loved or even that I haven't loved, like, I... I like reading the book first because I feel like the movie is always this like weird distillation of, of, you know, whatever it is. And so if it's like a big series like this, I tend to like to read something Mm -hmm. before I, before I watch it. So, so it's just been me saving it, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 and already I'm looking like so far my experience with Dune is like, Oh, of course David Lynch would want to, uh, would want to direct this that's all about fucking meditation Uh, (laughs) there's so much meditation um so um and i know that you know david lynch is all into tm so um so yeah i mean i i feel like there's a whole there's a whole world ahead of me yeah yeah well i will say that as much as as iconic as lynch's adaptation is like no one has really managed to adapt this right this series this book especially like this is a hard one like i mean i mean megan would you agree with that yeah yeah there's so much going on and it's one of those things that i think that there is the problem with the political stuff it could Mm -hmm. be incredibly dry Mm -hmm. and but then you're also putting it in the context of you know this is all happening thousands and thousands of years in the future and it's this Uh world building and there's all these things but yeah no one's ever quite captured it like the lynch the lynch movie is i mean it it helps to have read the book because then you have more context for a lot of things and then Uh even the things that are different or altered you can go okay but i still know what that means well and here's the thing it's like you know if you want to make an adaptation just based of what i know of david lynch like you don't go you know who's going to make a really faithful, straightforward adaptation of this thing? <laughs> uh, David Lynch. He, he can't even do that with his own thing. Like Twin Peaks, the revival is nuts. Um, and yeah. so it's so out there and it is so not what you expect. So so I kind of was like, oh, he adapted a book? That's crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know? So... <laughs> we, we did have some discussion on our very first episode about um lost highway and how bananas it is and how nobody <laughs> understands it so yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean oh. you do make a great point <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly, some of the some of the additions that are in that movie that are just pure lynchian inventions are very like what <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even in the context of Dune, you're going, wait, what? Yeah, you're like, hold (laughs) on. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) So (laughs) we enjoy it, but I'm looking forward to see what the new adaptation brings. But at the same time, like, and I say this, you know, I'm not expecting it to be like the most word for word faithful because that would be like a 20 hour movie. Right. Never leave the theater. Like. There's going to be corners cut. There's going to be stuff cut out. There just mm-hmm. has to be for necessity. So right. yeah. that's fine. But I'm still just like waiting to see. And I feel like this is a really talented director. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I- I'm going to keep an open mind. Yeah. And I mean, and I think with this cast so far, and obviously to also 
I mean, everyone else is doing it. We, I would like to announce that the three of us have also been cast yep. in the new Dune. <laughs> yes, um, right. Yes. So there's that. I'll be playing somebody I don't know who. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, she should play Princess Irulan. Oh yeah, there you go. You yeah, can do all the go. voiceovers. <laughs> yeah, that'd be yeah. good. <laughs> Which people are saying like, oh, I don't want the voiceovers. We gotta ha- come on. Come on. I mean, you have to because there's so much of this book as people thinking things that you kind of have to. And she doesn't get much else to do no. if you don't give her that. <laughs> to be honest, like not not in this yeah. first one. Um, I think I mean, if nothing else, I bet it's gonna look fantastic. And I love to see worlds that I love like that. Because even, I mean, I know there's a lot of people didn't like like the Hobbit movies. Mm-hmm. But I like spending more time in Middle Earth. Yeah. I, even yeah. if it's not the greatest, you know. So, hey. I always if said, it's like, not the best. Yeah. I always said, like, I, I love the Hobbit movies because I am a, I'm a big nerd with a soft heart who is easily won over. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, that's... and also, who wouldn't want to spend a few hours watching Lee Pace ride a giant moose around? <laughs> right. It's just right. amazing. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Kate Blanchett just spinning around. Yeah, slowly. and everybody's everybody is acting in like a in like a children's theater fashion. It is oh so bright that's and so like weird. The, the expressions are so easily read. And I don't know. I love like it's like that... they're like, oh yeah, The Hobbit. It's a children's novel. We're gonna like adapt it into not a children's novel, but everybody's gonna still act like they're in children's theater. It's it's so fine. Everything's great. Let's do All this. All like weird, like the weird, like Elrond Galadriel, where you're like, that's your mother-in-law, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. What is happening yeah. here? What are you doing? What, what choices are we making <laughs> yeah. with this right now? Because I don't want to have to draw a family tree for you guys. Right. Exactly. But that's your mother-in-law. Yeah. Back off. She's a very disapprovingly faced husband. Back off. Yes. Yes. I, um, do you want to know my favorite scene in all three of those movies yes. is Christopher Lee just going Radagast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the best thing it's in so the good. I crack up every freaking time. I like those movies are not perfect by any stretch, but oh my God. None of them are. And that's the Letting thing. That's Christopher the thing that gets Lee me. like ham it up is just yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great like, time. For all that people have so many issues, like, okay, fine. We have, like, people have issues with the fact that The Hobbit is, you know, three movies. Fine. You know, do not look me in the eye and tell me that Faramir in The Two Towers was anything like he is in the book because I will fight you. <laughs> no, I will God, they, fight you. He tries to take so the ring from Frodo, which is exactly what he does yeah. not do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he says he wouldn't take it if he found it on the side of the road. Yeah. Yeah, no. Don't there's... do that to Faramir. I was like in the theater in whatever that was, 2003, going, what? <laughs> I was that person. Going, Excuse me. <laughs> well, that's okay. Bo, uh, the other night was, you know, got the got an earful of me yelling about the, the opening scene of of the uh, second Star Trek, Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Where I was like, where because because Bo introduced me to Star Trek Discovery, and I was like, see this opening scene, everybody's respecting the Prime Directive, everybody's doing science and discovery <laughs> things, and 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 then I was like, do you remember the the opening scene of Star Trek Into Darkness? And I go through, I go on to recount it and then tell her all the reasons why that is wrong. And which I, one is that? Which one is the opening of that one? It's so the one where they're running through the crazy yes, planet yes, with yes. all the colors. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and they're being chased by all these all these aliens. Now, my my husband like, was very upset about that as well. Yeah, yeah, and and Jim Kirk is like, I don't know, everybody was bowing to it, so I stole it, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I was immediately <laughs> like, I hate this movie. <laughs> um, like within like two seconds. So, um, Chris Chris Pine though. I know Chris yeah. Pine, I Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> They give Zachary us Quinto, like Benedict Cumberbatch, like running around in Under Armour for a couple yes. hours. I could watch that all day. Yeah, but then he so had to say things like, candy. "My name is Khan Noonien Singh." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You look like a Singh. Okay, yeah, Benedict. yeah. All right, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Where's your fur? Where's your fur vest, dude? Yeah. So, Why aren't you wearing a furry vest? <laughs> yeah. 
at least we are casting some like actors of color in tune so that's yes. nice <laughs> yeah yeah uh well of all things i mean of all like franchises i don't want to hear anyone's like oh but that's not a thing like no don't tell me that in the year 10,000 that yeah. everyone is white <laughs> yeah. right like, don't and, tell me that and that everyone on like a desert planet is white right and let's yeah. not pretend that huge swaths of this novel aren't like cut from middle eastern culture because that's like that's how it is and you know people that are like "Mm, the emperor wouldn't be a brown person i'm sorry his name is shaddam yeah (laughs) like (laughs) yes he would (laughs) shut up (laughs) i mean it's the same thing that used to come up a lot with um like when they were casting various people for like game of thrones or people Mm. would say like oh well but it doesn't makes sense if everyone is a person of color and it's like go read that book again because yeah. i guarantee you that they are right you're just you you want to make a fan cast and have everybody be, be benedict cumberbatch and you know right. your favorite actors and actresses but that's not accurate it's just because yeah. a lot of people don't want to admit that like when they're a lot of white people don't want to admit that when they are reading uh, mm-hmm. They imagine every character as white until they are told explicitly otherwise. And even yeah. maybe after that, they still do mm-hmm. imagine them as white. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's Remember something that, like, they need uh, to go after of. Hunger Games. Oh, my Hermione God. Granger. Yep. <laughs> the Hermione, when they did the play in London, they cast a yeah. black woman to play Hermione. And J.K. Rowling was like, it doesn't say she's white anywhere in those yeah. books. Yeah, it's true. yeah yeah don't don't tell me that i mean it was bad enough in like firefly just to you know i mean people have made plenty about this in the past but like you know it was sort of bad enough that that was already like look at all these there's a lot of white people in space but don't don't tell me that in the year (laughs) 10,000 all of space is white yeah 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 i don't believe you no yep so and don't uh, tweet me I, yeah, we're not here for that. You can miss us with that shit. We are not yeah. here for any of that. But no. it was written by a white man. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, white people can write, you know, people of color. It's not. Yeah, don't don't anyway. go in about like, oh, but Princess Rulet is blonde. Yeah, there are people of color who are blonde. In a, so, yeah. She's blonde in the movie. I believe right? she's described as blonde in the book. But uh, again, yeah. she wasn't yeah. blonde in the miniseries. No, that's true. Right. And also, it's an adaptation. People can do whatever the hell they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> exactly. So, I think that will wrap it up for us now that we've gotten all fired up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As always, we. Oh, so before I get started, Sammy, did you want to plug anything? Uh, yeah, I guess uh, you can follow me anywhere on the internet at Spock Girl, S-P-O-C-K-G-R-R-L. Um, I have a website, highlyillogical.net, and uh, if you don't already, uh, you can listen to Bo and myself on Excessively Diverted. Um, it's where we discuss modern adaptations of classic novels. Uh, we did a couple of seasons on Jane Austen novels and uh, now we are on to Shakespeare. So that's yeah, tell, all. tell everyone what we watched last time. <laughs> we just watched Midsummer Night's Rave, um, a, a 2002 adaptation of Midsummer Night's Dream that takes place at a rave and was really a painful ordeal for us all. Um, <laughs> like, like very, very, a very humiliating time for humanity as a whole, I would say. Um, particularly white people. Yeah, um, the early aughts were not our time. So, um, so anyway, yeah, that you can listen to that um, and and yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We're yeah, thank you for having me. Had you. Yay. Yeah. Thank you for being willing to have this like bumbling, like, I don't know anything about Dune person. I mean, that's really our podcast. aim is, is that we want to bring like new readers in. And especially I feel like this is a series that, I don't know, I feel like a lot of women read Dune, but I feel like a lot more should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And now it has like, very much struck me as like a dude thing. Yeah, there is like 
there's been such a huge resurgence of like theme like women being interested in science fiction lately mm-hmm. i feel like i i do think that like the newer star wars movies has have you know played a role in that mm-hmm. and you know we've had some amazing like women science fiction in the last few years too so mm-hmm. i mean it's like a really good time to cuz i I am always looking for like the female perspective, like how do you as a woman like read and enjoy and and contextualize this book? Mm-hmm. So I mean, even though it's written by a man, there's still like a lot of like really strong female characters. Well, yeah, I mean, in there's it. a lot of yeah. gender stuff all all over it already. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, so. I mean, there's a lot of gender politics in this, and I'm always interested to like hear new interpretations and new impressions of it. Mm-hmm. yeah definitely so that wraps it up for us uh, as always we'd love to hear from you and your experiences reading Dune you can reach us on twitter at weirdingpod and at weirdingpodcast at gmail.com and don't forget we still want to see your covers and any Lato 2 fan art for Megan Yay! <laughs> with the hashtag send dunes let's see them <laughs> And we will will shout out our favorites on the show. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks everyone so much for joining us. Uh, Sammy, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.